Welcome to the next episode of Morgan Asport Podcast. We were here to recap the semifinals last uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at the Uni Dome up in Cedar Falls. A lot of good, exciting games to talk about. And then, you know, a few nail biters, but for the most part, they were kind of solid wins for teams. Um, you know, really only a couple what I would call upsets. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, review these right here. Again, we'll, as always, we'll welcome in Zach Tremel. Um, and let's just start with 4A. Um, you know, Southeast Polk uh, was a 20 over Pleasant Valley. And, you know, I did not watch this game. And they, they came out, came away with a 50 to 10 victory. Um, you know, not a surprise that it was, it was kind of a blowout. That, that score is higher than I thought it would be. But I've also heard a few people say it wasn't quite that bad. It just kind of the way it ended up. Yeah. You know, Southeast Polk's obviously very good. We both, I believe, picked this one. Um, you know, I think they're a borderline nationally ranked team, and it's going to take something special to beat them. And, uh, you know, barring a collapse in the championship, I think they're probably a favorite to win it all. Yeah, absolutely. I just think they just have too many Division One athletes uh, running around uh, to, to just play with Pleasant Valley. I know Pleasant Valley has one kid that's going to Iowa State and stuff. So Division One kids on both teams. And let's just go ahead and move on to probably the game of the weekend. Uh, was Ankeny and Dowling, obviously Dowling seven-time uh, state champs. You know, this year, you know, they kind of knew what maybe wasn't their best team, but, you know, maybe got a little bit fortunate not playing Valley last week. But, uh, you know, uh, semifinals again for them. And, and this was a 31-24 win, Ankeny in overtime, double overtime, I believe. And Arlen Bruce, the transfer we talked about that couldn't play and then was ruled eligible halfway through the year with the big pick in the end zone to, to get the win. And from everything that I've heard is he was a difference in this ball game. Um, Dowling just doesn't quite have, you know, that type of talent running around. They're a really good team. They're really good fundamental, but you know, sometimes, you know, talent just overcomes everything. And I think this is just what happened. Ankeny was just a little bit more talent talented and then pulled it out 31, 24 ending Dowling's run seven-time state champ, probably never see that again. Yeah, that was quite a run by Dowling. Um, you know, I, I believe I picked Ankeny in this. I, I yeah. uh, um, just thought their offense, you know, with we've talked about Division One talent. They're loaded on that side of the ball. And uh, I knew, you know, Dowling would fight hard, and uh, Ankeny was able to pull it out, which should set up a, an electric 4A uh, championship with lots of uh, talent on the field. Yeah, this is probably the one team that can match Southeast Polk uh, with talent. And then, like we said, Ankeny probably has the best offense in the entire state. So I think it will maybe be a little bit of a shootout um, this week coming up. But we'll see, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday. Yep, and that is a game you got on me. You picked Ankeny. I picked Dowling. Um, you know, we really – neither one were wrong. It's just kind of, you know, Ankeny made the last play to win. But, you know, obviously going over with the – you know, it was a coin flip game, and we kind of thought it was. Yep. All right, and now down to 3A. Uh, Harlan, a 44-7 win over Boyden Hole Rock Valley. Um, and, again, you picked Harlan. I picked Boyden Hole. Um, again, I thought this was kind of be a toss-up. This score really surprised me. Uh, but I think Harlan, just their experience in being there. And, you know, once Harlan gets up there, they just don't lose. They, they just, you know, it's them and Pella and – Xavier and they just don't know how to lose up there yeah they're obviously playing some good football right now um 
you know, their biggest scare, I think, was that Carlisle game a few weeks ago where uh, Carlisle had them down, I think, 14 in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, they've just slowly gotten better and better. And, uh, you know, they look to be the favorite now to all of a sudden to win Class 3A, which isn't surprising, I guess, since they do it a couple times a decade, it seems like, at least. Absolutely. But I don't think at the beginning of the year any of us would have thought Harlan would have probably came out of 3A. But they're going to be – uh, a pretty good favorite, I would guess, because I would say the biggest upset we had in the semifinals was in the next game. Xavier lost to North Scott 17-10 to in overtime, and North Scott just continues their dream season in holding teams to no points. I mean, I haven't watched any one minute of any of their games, but they must just have an unbelievable defense. Yeah, and what you know, what's crazy, you go back to that first round playoff game, and in the second quarter, I think they were trailing Mount Pleasant by like a score of 19 to 10 or something, and basically outscored Mount Pleasant like 40 to 7 in the second half. And then it just has went to town since then, beating you know, they're they're racking up some top five wins left and right here, all the way to the championship. And you know, they kind of feel like a team of destiny here, and uh. You know, it looks like their only loss was to Pleasant Valley, who we just talked about earlier, who was uh, in the 4A semis. So, you know, I think they'll give Harlan all they want. I think it, it it's going to be tough to pick against either one of those teams right now. Yeah, we obviously both got that one wrong. Xavier was kind of a, you know, BC, this is one we didn't think BC Moore was right, but BC Moore was right in this one with yep. uh, Xavier only being the one-point uh, favorite. Um, you know, and again, we're going to talk about Regina later, but North Scott's only lost to Pleasant Valley, who's very, very good. Well, Regina, all the way in Class A, only losses to Pleasant Valley. We should probably look more into that and went with that uh, play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So we're just not quite up to a little bit out of our reach, so we just don't get them quite as much. All right, and now down to 2A. Um, kind of, you know, this is one we kind of thought might ha- happen, and it did. Uh, Central Lion uh, is just too tough and too talented, uh, 41 nothing over Comanche. And, and we talked about this was probably as far as Comanche would go. Um, you would have liked to see them score a touchdown and make it a little bit closer, but Central Lion was just way too much for them. Yeah, Central Lion is very good. Um, Comanche had a heck of a run. Um, had, a, you know, that big upset at Williamsburg, I thought. and Or they, that was West Liberty, excuse me. But um, with Williamsburg going down, that really opened the door for Comanche to, uh, you know, get to the semis. And uh, they took advantage of that. And uh, – Unfortunately, I ran into Central Lion, who, you know, on paper is probably the favorite to win it all. Absolutely. And then in the next game here, we had uh, walk-on 38-21 over PCM. And, again, I think this just, you know, walk-on was able to win this game simply because PCM, I don't think, just their schedule just did not prepare them for this game. I mean, I think they were talented enough. I think they had the ability to, but they just – you know, when things didn't go their way, they didn't know how to react. They did a good job last week uh, to get to the semifinals in doing that. But, you know, if they had played two or three games close or even lost one game throughout the year, I think this game would have been different and they would have been much closer and a much better chance to win. Uh, this is a game I got that you did not. Uh, so I got you on this one. Yeah, I I actually watched this game and, uh, you know, Wakan came out and just jumped all over him. It was 24 to seven, I think right out of the gates and PCM kind of took over in the second and third quarters and cut it all the way to 24, 21. And then, like you said, they get into that close game and they just haven't, they weren't able to execute and Wakan was making all the plays and, you know, it's something maybe with 
I don't know what they return, but they, they've got to figure out a way to bump that schedule up. I mean, they were good enough. They could have grabbed some th- – they could have went and played with Pella, Pella Christian. I mean, there's some 3A teams around that probably would have played them that would have made for some big gates too. So I just think they got to do a better job of, you know, scheduling some of those games because they – like you said, they were blowing people out all year. Like 55 to 4 or something was their average margin yeah. of victory. And I think it cost them because in that game they, they, they did fight back and they got into it and then they just didn't make the plays down the stretch in, in, a, in a tight game that they needed to. Yeah, that's just where, you know, and, and when you're winning games like this, you don't play a second half. So you're not used to playing four quarters. And, and and that gets to be a lot of teams like that. But if you never did it, I mean, it's just tough, tough, tough. At least, you know, most of those teams um, had one or two games. And I know this year's schedule is different with the COVID and everything. I, I would assume PCM would have had, you know, one or two decent uh uh, bigger games that they weren't able to play, I hope. But hopefully next year they can, like you said, get that schedule bumped back up uh, to give them a chance because they're they're a perennial power and and uh, you just you don't want to see that fifty five to four average margin of victory ever, really. And if you look on go to the other side, I just you know looking at Wacom, they opened up with Decor and Waverly Sharrock, so that's right. That's kind of a big difference there. Decor a three A power who they lost to by one, but that's a lot. I'd rather have that than beating Centerville sixty to nothing any day of the week. Yep, absolutely. All right, and now down to 1A, you know, kind of the most uh, one that we pay attention to, Van Meter uh, against South Central Calhoun, 20-17 to 17 win for Van Meter. And I think this was just, you know, uh, South Sioux Central lost to them last year in the quarterfinals, and then now they lost to them. It's just a little bit, and we talked about it, the Van Meter, you know, they know how to win. They've won baseball titles. They've been really good at basketball. You know, there's just that winning mentality at the school and that, uh, really helped them in this game yeah you know that was a tight game I mean South Central Calhoun was with them the whole time I was kind of following it along obviously um, on the way up there and it's just uh, like you said Van, Ma- Van Meter's just a little bit better um, you know I know as a SK fan we were kind of hoping to get that three seed o- instead of South Central Calhoun because of how good OABCIG is but we didn't get that but they fought Van Meter hard and uh, you know just came out on the short end Yep, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, obviously the game that you, you were at um, and we were a little bit worried would happen. And and I would say Sigourney Kyoto, you know, they just a couple plays here and there and it kind of got out of hand and, and didn't give your guys selves a chance. But you did what you needed to do. They lost 43-21. But definitely in the first half, you did what you needed to do. You controlled the ball. You scored touchdowns. And then, you know, just kind of that play at the end of the half or near the end of the half just really uh, kind of defeated your chances in victory there yeah there there was you know in my mind I'm far from a football expert but you know in watching you know Sigourney Kyoto's offense they cannot afford to botch a snap just because you know they want three yards and and move on three yards and move on and and OABCIG couldn't stop us I mean if we if we ran the ball we were getting a first down every time with within three or four plays it's just when you drop one the first drive we we chose to take the ball because they hadn't you know been scored upon in the first drive all year and we marched it right down to the 40 and then I think on a second and seven we botched a snap and it turned into third and 14 well that screws up the whole offense for for Sigourney Kyoto and end up having to punt and then like you said that fourth and 28 when the score is 19 14 that was that was really the dagger in my mind because everybody knew OABCIG was getting the ball to start the uh second half as well so you knew they were we weren't we obviously couldn't stop them not many teams can but you know we we executed a game plan it was just a couple snaps and obviously that fourth down that really uh 
were the difference in my mind. And, and how good was uh, Cooper DeJean? I mean, I, I just I watched some of it, and he just looked – I mean, he can do anything out there. Yeah, he was a man amongst boys out there. I mean, he his throws are spot on as quarterback. Um, you know, obviously as a safety, he, he's just – he's really good. He didn't make a lot of play. They actually took him out quite a bit on defense, I think, just kind of rest to give him the rest. But, you know, there was a couple of Sigourney Kyoto kids I haven't seen ran down all year, and he was able to uh, – tracked them down pretty easily. And then, you know, there was a 50-50 ball that obviously he came down with. So um, he's definitely the real deal. And you put him in that class, he uh, he sticks out. And uh, he's a, he's an exceptional player. And I thought, you know, even on special teams, they they either fake the, you know, the reverse to him on kickoffs or they, do, or they don't. But it really put a, a dagger in kind of our kickoffs. They destroyed us on that as well because just because he's such a threat out there. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, like we said all along, you know, you put a division one player in class one a, and it's tough to match up. Yeah. And even like, you know, if we kicked it out of bounds, they would uh, enforce the five and make you kick yep. it again. Not a lot of teams do that, but they do it there. They'll just sit there and keep taking yeah. the five because they want to get the ball in his hand. Yeah. We, we had that uh, when I was at a tumble against Iowa city West, I'm like, I do not want to kick it to Oliver Martin. He'll return it for a t- touchdown. Mm-hmm. So let's kick it out of bounds and, They'll take it. Nope, they declined it. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what they did too. I mean, it was it was definitely the right decisions because we struggled with it. They went in, faked the handoff to him on the first play, first time, and right past the fifty they went. And then the second time they give it to him, he takes it to the fifty. And you know, he's smart too. He doesn't take hits. He steps out of bounds instead of trying to get that extra yard, which I'm sure is, their coaches preach that to him. But they'll be a tough out, that's for sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, now let's move down to Class A. Um, St. Ansgar against Regina. Um, you know, kind of Regina, I watched some of this game. Uh, Regina just actually pretty dominant here. Uh, St. Ansgar was just all run all the time. I think they had like 100 yards passing all year. Uh, and Regina with uh, Coach Cook's son, at quarterback, uh, just way too much. Um, you know, I don't know why, but I had this thinking that Regina isn't as good as they were when they were on their run on – multiple state t- championships in a row. Um, but they moved down a class to class A. Their only loss was to 4A Pleasant Valley, who's a semifinalist. Um, so that this I, I shouldn't have picked St. Anne's guard here. That was my bad. <laughs> yeah, Regina's obviously really good. And when we saw them drop to, you know, class A, that's actually a, a, a good move for Sigourney Kyoto. Not that I don't know if we could have beat him this year or not, but just not having to deal with them was – was uh, was nice for once since we tend to draw them every year. Um, but, yeah, they're the real deal. And everybody said when they dropped to A, they became the favorite. But, you know, Grundy Center's really good too. So that will be a fun one to talk about coming up. Yep. And then uh, speaking of Grundy Center, you know, 34-6 uh, to 6 win over St. Albert. And we, we've talked about Grundy Center a lot because they've kind of came down and played a few teams that we talk about. Um, I I think that's going to be one heck of a game uh, for the championship, but uh, Grundy Center is a tough out as well. Yeah, they look really good. And, you know, of the championship games that we've we've talked about so far, or the semis at least, I think this is going to be the best one so far. Um, these are two really good teams. And, uh, you know, I think Regina feels like they're the favorite. I, I mean, to me, I think Grundy might have a little bit more talent, but that, that could be a heck of a ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Grundy Center, I, I believe they were runners up last year, and so they they uh, you know want that championship this year. They took out Wes Hancock uh, that got them last year, and uh, 
Uh, this is what they're they've you know this really has been their goal all year. They didn't want anything but a state championship. Mm-hmm. All right, and now eight player in it. The most exciting. I watched almost every uh, second of this game the best I could. Um, One oh eight to ninety four victory for Remsen St. Mary's, in just an unbelievable game that took over four hours. Um, Seven hundred yards of offense for Montezuma. Um, you know, I think they were ahead uh, something like sixty to thirty six, and then a couple turnovers and an onside kick and. All of a sudden, Remsen was ahead, and Remsen pulled it out by uh, two touchdowns. But just an unbelievable game. Got a lot of attention across the country. Um, you know, just two great teams, great athletes, and then obviously some very little defense in that game. Yeah, that was a heck of a game. And like you said, they were up 60-36, and I believe it was fourth and four. And I think if Monty stops them there, it's just game over. And they didn't. They kind of threw up a pass in the end zone, and – the next two minutes, I think there was like seven touchdowns scored. It was an insane ending there to that third quarter, and and Monty just looked gassed. I mean, you could tell they hadn't been in a in a single game all year because they had toasted everybody by um, halftime. But uh, yeah, though, you know, those might be the two best teams in in eight man. Uh, but like I said, that was a heck of a game, and it was getting national attention, and uh, it, it was definitely fun to watch. I know some people were critical of it, but. Um, you know, for those small town schools, that was pretty exciting to watch. I thought, yeah, just, you know, and, and the only thing that I really like question is the same kids, you know, it was, and that's where I just don't under, I don't quite understand how you don't, you know, there were so many balls just thrown up and, and every time the offense came down with it, I mean, it was just, I mean, every 50, 50 ball was, you know, caught by the offense for a touchdown or. You know, those those athletes were just so good as soon as they got free that no one would catch them. And, um, you know, Trey Shearer had 20 catches for 389 yards and seven touchdowns as a receiver. And that's unbelievable. You yeah, know. it was it was a heck of a game. I mean, I know Monty has obviously a, some elite athletes, but so does Remsen, obviously. And uh, it's a tough one for Monty to swallow. But, you know, I, I think they'll be back in the well for basketball. Hopefully they can get a championship in basketball. Yep, and then the last game here to talk about, uh, you know, Don Bosco against Fremont Mills and and what I call an upset, uh, 32-30, Fremont Mills with the win. And, you know, you know, as much as that first game was offense, the second game was a lot of hard-hitting defense and everything is it, all I heard. Um, so it's going to be a contrasting style coming up this week. But Fremont Mills, uh, you know, their one loss was to an out-of-state team, so they're undefeated against Iowa teams. They've been here before. And, uh, you know, with a good win over Don Bosco, we both got this one wrong. Yeah, I thought this was an upset, but, you know, maybe we just you didn't, didn't give Fremont the credit. Their uh, only loss was obviously, like you said, to a Nebraska team, and they kind of waxed every Iowa team they've played so far up until, uh, you know, the last couple rounds in the playoffs. But uh, I think Remsen's probably the favorite, but, you know, probably shouldn't count out Fremont Mills, that's for sure. No, I, I don't. I don't think Remsen St. Mary's is going to score 108 again. So, um, I think it'll be this much tougher. Uh, and, and obviously, we both got that one wrong. Um, I went seven and five on the week, and you went nine and three. And during the playoffs, you was just absolutely handed it to me, uh, taking a five-game lead. You're 120 and 36 against 115 and 41. So essentially, that wraps it up. It really doesn't matter. Uh, five-game lead with only uh, six games left. 
Um, so I'd have to go like perfect and, you know, every single team that you don't pick uh, would have to win. So it's uh, essentially it's uh, your uh, championship this year. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, obviously picking the championship games here coming up in a couple of days will be a, you know, a lot of fun to talk about with all that uh, talent out on the field and uh, we can hopefully wrap up an excellent season. Yep. Yeah. So we'll be back again Wednesday night because the, the championship games are Thursday and Friday at the Uni Dome again. Um, you know, just one question, you know, how was the mitigation and everything in the Uni Dome? Um, I know there was a lot of, you know, questions and stuff about whether they should have it or not, but uh, what did you feel up there? Yeah, you know, it was different. I mean, I hadn't been there since, to be honest with you, when Washington played Decorah in 1998 in a, in a high school football game in there. So it's been a long time for me. I mean, I've been in the Dome a lot, but not for a football game. And uh there just there wasn't the the crowd there that you normally see there's not uh every other row was open um it was just a different uh feeling but obviously just to still be able to get those games in was huge for the kids and uh you know they they did a a great job of of putting you know music and sound into the dome and uh it, it made it fun um obviously it was a little bit different from you know the tens of thousands that are in there to probably maybe 2000 people. And that was, that's probably pushing it. Yeah. That's just, that's kind of what I've heard. It just wasn't as many people and, you know, it's on TV now. And so, I mean, that's okay. And, um, and then just, you know, people, you know, with uh, the limited number of tickets and I'm sure it's going to get limited again this weekend. And, you know, obviously with your basketball coming up and everything, we're all, you know, kind of waiting and seeing how this all, all going to play out. But, uh, you know, again, hopefully they can get these games in this week, uh, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yep, it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and uh, I'll talk to you in a few days. Yep, all right. Thank you for listening to Morgan You Asked For Podcast. If you like what you hear, click the like button, or hit subscribe if you want to hear more episodes from Morgan You Asked For Podcast. Also, if you would like to comment or with any show ideas or anything, please contact me at morganyaskforpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at RyanMorgan34.